You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 925 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland coming to you on a Saturday evening into Sunday, and the Atlanta Hawks get a victory on this fine Saturday, toppling the Toronto Raptors by a final score of 132 to 121. We will dive into the game, uh, both pregame, during the game, postgame, takeaways, all that stuff. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. Before I say anything else, I will open the podcast with some audio from Lloyd Pierce, who said the following at the outset of his press conference after the game. Yeah, I thought that was our best win this year uh, in terms of efficiency, shooting, moving, uh, playing together. I thought our defensive intensity was was really um, was really good. Good to see the spirit. Now they they scored well in the first first half after makes. Uh, there's obviously some letdowns that you're concerned about, but I thought our, the spirit of our guys was really tremendous, and 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 for me that was really encouraging to see. So there you go. We'll come back to the broad takeaways a little bit later on in the podcast when we get through all the nuts and bolts. But I will say to the point about the best win of the season, I'm not sure it was 100% the best win of the season, but it was certainly one of the best wins of the season for Atlanta and a complete effort and a strong one and a pretty positive takeaway as a result. We'll go back to the beginning, though. Some pregame stuff to touch on on the podcast today. Um, The Raptors came in on a back-to-back. Now, that's always worth pointing out. Uh, It's not always, you know, the most important thing in the world. But Toronto was at, a short, was at a disadvantage through that lens, whereas Atlanta had the day off on Friday after the back-to-back that they just had. Also, no, no OG Ananobi for the Raptors in this game. Of course, the Hawks were still shorthanded as well. DeAndre Hunter is still absent from the festivities for the Hawks, in addition to Bogdanovich and Chris Dunn. There was some drama around Troy Young, who was questionable coming into the day. He ended up playing and playing well. They also... Um, Lloyd Pierce gave us the most specific um, restrictions that we, that we've uh, been given for quite some time in terms of the information uh, before the game even started. Okongwu is on a 16-minute restriction, and Gallinari up to 25 minutes, and he talked, talked about that throughout the game as well at the end of the contest. But I actually asked Gallinari pregame how he was feeling physically, and he said that he's been feeling better every day and hopes to be, hopes to be completely without a restriction pretty soon. So... 25 minutes is still a slight restriction for Gallinari, but given what his role is, you won't necessarily see him play too much more than that anyway, so he's almost full strength, and that is good to see. Kind of a strange uh, TikTok on the betting side of this thing. Our friends at BetOnline.ag, of course, uh, opened up the line as high as 6 that I saw, and the line was about 4.5 with the Hawks as the underdog in this game for most of Saturday, and then Trey Young was announced as playing in the game uh, by Lloyd Pierce about an hour, you know, hour and a half or so before tip-off. And the line got down to as low as what I saw at the Hawks at plus one, so as a, as a one-point underdog. So about a five-point line move. And, of course, the Hawks win this game on the on the court and play very well in it. So that's just a stage a little bit. The Hawks were not necessarily supposed to win this game, but it was kind of a – I would say it was probably a toss-up, all things considered. And Atlanta played quite well overall. Okay, we'll dive in now to the nuts and bolts of what transpired. Um, I will say at the top – the Hawks were in their MLK uniforms, which are still fantastic. And the stained glass logo the Hawks are using with those uniforms uh, at CFM Arena is just awesome at, at midcourt. It's a little thing, but for people who watch a lot of basketball, those little things kind of enhance the experience. It was an, it's, it's sort of an awesome display that the Hawks have there on their court, so I want to say that before I forget to say it. As for the game itself, 
Um, the Hawks actually started a little bit slowly offensively, which is kind of funny considering they scored, you know, 132 points in this game. But they opened up one. They opened up, opened up 105 from the floor. And there were two of turnovers as well in the early going. Their one bucket was a long distance pass from Trey Young to Clint Capella, and they were kind of, uh, I would say, haphazard offensively in the first few minutes of the game. Um, but from there, it kind of, I would say, heated up for most of the game. Back to back threes from John Collins from the same exact spot, pretty much, and then another three from Kevin Herter moments later. And by the way, both of those Collins threes came with uh, Trey Young being trapped. The Hawks adjusted well. There were some nice counters to the to the traps in the early going, and I think it was a well-coached game by Lloyd Pierce and his staff, and that's worth pointing out as well. Um, Reddish in a three, a catch-and-shoot one that was nice for the Hawks. The Hawks made seven out of, their, out of their next eight shots. They scored 19 points in about five and a half minutes at the outset. Now, defensively, they had some trouble in this game uh, throughout, which is worth pointing out too. Um, you know, I would say at, at the point of attack, especially in the half court, it was pretty bad. Pierce focused post game on the transition, which I agree with. Even after made baskets, the Hawks were having trouble stopping the ball. And a lot of that's just point of attack defense. The Raptors have good guards, obviously, with Kyle Lowry and Van Fleet. But I think the Hawks just kind of struggled in some aspects defensively. They were better late, especially in the fourth quarter. They made a lot of plays defensively. We'll come back to that at the end. But uh, that's worth pointing out too. Um, the Hawks did run. <laughs> Hawks did use a, tri- a tribute video for old pal Gunray Bembry during the first timeout of the game. And Bembry, of course, uh, spent his entire NBA career with the Hawks until this season. So it was nice to see him back in Atlanta. Actually, got into a little bit, not 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 in a bad way, but him and Trey Young were definitely talking a little bit out there. And Trey was asked about that after the game. He said he and DeAndre are still friendly, which is no surprise. Uh, those guys played together for two years, and uh, it was kind of just interesting to see those uh, them going at it a little bit as as foes for the first time since Bembry was not obviously no longer in Atlanta. Um, elsewhere in the first quarter, there was an 8-0 run by the Raptors to go up 23-19 as the Hawks had a couple of mishaps offensively during that little mini run. There was a nice pass by John Collins moments later, beating a double team to find a cutting Cam Reddish for a layup. That was a very nice pass from, from Collins. In fact, there were a couple of nice passing moments for the bigs in the first half of this game. Then the Hawks went to a bench-laden lineup late first, early second quarter. First, it was Snell. Hill and Okongwu coming in at the same time. It was the first action for Okongwu since last Friday. He had he had the injury cost him, uh, I believe, three or four games, and then he missed a shot on it on his first possession. I thought he was okay at times in this game, but they came out of a timeout um, with the full second unit on the floor after that. After Collins got his second foul, so. It was interesting to see them go with the entire second unit. Basically, it was those three guys that I just mentioned, plus Rondo and Gallinari. And obviously, Gallinari is kind of a starter in a lot of ways, but still a full line change is not what I would necessarily recommend for the Hawks. In the second half, that, that didn't happen at all, which is noteworthy. They, they kind of made that little tweak in the second half and, did, and staggered a little bit more. But they managed to sort of outlast it and not have a big problem with that with that unit, which is, I, I would say, very important given the way the Hawks have been struggling without Trey Young on the court this season. There was a late three, though, by, by Van Vliet at the end of the first quarter, put the Hawks up, uh, put the Hawks down by six at the end of the first period. Um, and honestly, it was offense that was the problem in the first quarter for the Hawks. Um, defensively, they weren't great either, but they actually did not um, score at a league average level in the first quarter. Now, from that point forward, it was all Hawks offensively, but... Uh, basically, w- with the exception of Collins and Capella in the first quarter, there wasn't a whole lot going on offensively for Atlanta. Going to the second quarter, um, I didn't love it. I, like, like I said before, I didn't love going with the second unit again to open the second quarter. Now, they were, again, able to sort of survive it. There was a big dunk by Kongwu that became a three-point play on the first possession of the first quarter. Uh, defensively, it was still a little bit shaky, but both Tony Snell and Solomon Hill got hot 
at the right time. They combined for four threes in the, sort of the first, I don't know, five minutes that, that they played together. Um, Snell, by the way, at that point in time, had, had made eight consecutive threes dating back to the pre- previous games. And Rondo finally broke his drought with a layup. He wasn't great in this game, but he was, it, was a little, it was a little bit better than he had been the last couple of games. And thanks to that hot shooting, the Hawks were actually plus three in that first non trey Young stint overall, which is a big success, obviously, compared to the, to the recent baseline for the Hawks. And they went with the starters for the most part the rest of the quarter, the rest of the half, I should say. Uh, Kevin Hurd had a three, give the Hawks the lead back late in the period. The Hawks were actually 8 of 16 from three at that point in time, and they continued throughout the game. Uh, back and forth, back and forth from that point forward, and the Hawks scored very well, leading by three at the break. In fact, they were up by five until the final possession, and Nick Nurse, credit to him, the coach of the year, obviously, reigning coach of the year, uh, drew up a nice play to get Trey Young isolated on defense uh, on, on Siakam, who kind of just shot the ball right over him without even much without much effort, and that gave them a th- uh, sort of cut the lead back down to three, but still a pretty solid overall effort. And it was a lot of balance for the Hawks. There were six players with eight points or more, plus Tony Snell, who had uh, two threes in the first half. They had 17 assists in the first half. Um, defensively, it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't perfect, <laughs> is the best way that I'll put it. Um, but they actually held the Raptors to a decent shooting mark, but the defensive stuff was not very good overall, is what I would say. Like, Toronto's actually, weirdly this year, better on offense than defense in a lot of ways, which is not what their MO has been and their talent necessarily indicates. But without a, without, without Ananobi out there, they were definitely going more offense in this game, and that ended up coming to fruition. Okay, before we get to the second half and much, much more on this game, a word from our friends at betonline.ag. The NFL season is coming to a close in the near future, but the biggest game of all is still to come. And with that in mind, there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus with the site. If you're listening to this show, you will undoubtedly know that the NBA is now in full swing. On top of that, basketball fans may also be interested in jam-packed college basketball slates virtually every night of the week. And from there, the matchup for all the marbles in the NFL is now set. And there are other sports also worthy of your attention, from hockey to soccer to MMA and baseball is coming soon. If none of that gets you going, there's a full menu of offerings from BetOnline on any sport you can think of. And BetOnline also has a huge menu of player props as well as live wagering options, future bets, alternate lines, and much, much more. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll dive in now to the second half of this contest. A lot to get into here. At the outset, it was a pretty awesome mini stretch from the Hawks coming out of the locker room. So. They got three straight defensive stops, which is important. And honestly, they were not flukes. They played very, very good defense on those opening possessions of the third quarter, forcing some tough shots, grabbing rebounds, all that stuff. They also scored the first three possessions of the second half. So those things combined with the technical foul on Aaron Baines, it's a 7-0 run. The Hawks are up by 10, and suddenly they're in pretty much control of the game. Of course, on cue after a timeout by the Raptors, they come out. And the Hawks turn over, turn the ball over three times in a row. Two in a row by Young, and then Herder turns it over as well. That was their worst stretch of the game, probably, um, in terms of their actual play. Like the, Toronto made some plays throughout, and they had a couple of mini runs, but that was probably the, Atlanta's single or worst plays of the game was that little mini run early in the third. And the Raptors cut, cut it down back to two. But after a timeout again, um, a nice ATO play drawn up by Pierce and the coaching staff to get Collins a look after he had not been a huge factor early in that third quarter. He scores, and they get a stop. And then a floor by Trey Young to stabilize things a bit. It was another 7-0 run by, right back. So the entire half to that point was 7-0 by the Hawks, 
8-0 by the Raptors, and then 7-0 by the Hawks. So at the end of the day, they they sort of go on a 14-8 run, even though it was actually three runs back and forth. Anyway, they go back to the bench late in the third, but it was with, this time it was Snell, Gallinari, and Okongwu at, at the start with Trey Young and Kevin Herter staying in the game. That, that was a little bit of a, of, of a tweak, as I said before. More of a stagger, which I thought was a, a good idea in the second half of this game. They got the lead up to 11 at one point in the third. Tony Snell finally missed, unfortunately. He was not going to be perfect the rest of the season. He finally missed a corner three. But there was one, like, highly unwatchable section of basketball. There were so many fouls late in the third. I counted seven called fouls in a two-minute stretch. Seven called fouls. And they were all on the bonus on both sides. So just free throw after free throw after free throw. And also there was a technical in there. Um, the Hawks benefited a bit from it at the end. But it was truly ugly to actually consume, um, you know, as someone tried to observe the game closely. Anyway, there was a deep through by Trey Young to go um, up by nine over Bembry, actually. And then Rondo got a technical foul. His second technical foul of the season and his second technical foul in about, like, ten days or so from the bench. Rondo, I guess, has a knack of getting tees from the bench. That was weird. But he got another one in this game. It didn't cost them, but another thing to sort of monitor and maybe not do in the future, Rajon. Um, at any rate... A big three by, by Gallinari late in the shot clock at the end of the third quarter, and the Hawks are up by seven at the end of the period. They actually had 101 points through three, 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 three quarters, which is just a lot of points, obviously. In the period, they shot 50-40-100, and that included 11 free throw attempts in the second half. Uh, I believe Atlanta, at the end of the game, shot like 21 free throw attempts in the second half, which is a lot. At any rate, Trey was awesome in the third. He had 11 points and four assists. He played the entire quarter, and Gallinari also had a nice, a nice stretch with, eight, with nine points of his own. In the fourth, they finally had to sit Trey Young. This has been the stretch that's killed the Hawks for the last couple of weeks in a lot of ways, especially when Trey is sitting. But they held up this time. They went with Gallinari, Collins, and Kevin Herter on the floor alongside Rondo and Snell. And that run, again, more staggering. That worked out pretty well. Gallo hit a huge three that was uh, pretty big at holding off the Raptors early in the fourth. Then there was a weird offensive foul call that I think was a terrible call. That's just my opinion. I, I guess by the letter of the law, maybe. But it was a challenge by Lloyd Pierce that I actually liked. I thought it was a, you know, I, I criticized Lloyd for a challenge the other day that I thought was a bad decision because it, it was low leverage. This time around, that's one where he would have been shooting free throws, I think, if they had, had, had overturned the call. He did not win the challenge, so I guess it's a bad challenge if you don't win it, but I thought it was a pretty good challenge, personally. Um, I'm, I have no idea how the, how the call stood. I guess they focused on, on the hook of Gallinari there. That was kind of a weird, bad call. At any rate, um, they survived the Trey Young minutes on the bench. They were minus one in almost five minutes and that run. So in this game, overall, the Hawks were plus two with Trey on the bench. And I know it's it's a one-game sample size, but they were able to hold up in both stints with him off the court, and that's a huge thing. Then when Trey, when Trey came back in, um, sort of, I don't know, seven minutes left or so in the fourth, they had a, a huge three by, by John Collins right away to go up by nine. And it was kind of back and forth, back and forth, but the Hawks really never had a huge moment of panic from that point forward, which is a good sign. Um, the Raptors made some shots, to be sure. It got down to like five or six a few times. Um, there was a big three by Trey, actually, with about 3.30 to go, to go up by nine. Uh, but it was actually the one time in the entire game, really, that offense was not at the forefront, was the first, like, eight minutes of the fourth. It was 18 to 16 after about nine and a half minutes or so in the fourth quarter, which is, tell which is very different from for the rest of the game. But the Hawks made enough plays, and I think defensively they stepped up a little bit in the fourth as well. Um, Pierce got a technical foul, actually, when Trey was called for a hook on an offensive foul. 
that was a weird, bad call, but uh, Pierce got very upset, and probably rightly so on that one. Then, Lauer hits a three for the Raptors to cut it to, to cut it to five with 2.30 to go. So it was up nine, suddenly it's five. This is the one point where it was a little bit tight, but still, it was you're up five, you're in, you're in control. Then, then they got to stop, but uh, Young found Capella moments later for a dunk to go, up by, go back up by seven. Toronto did answer that, but then Collins was aggressive, got to the line, back up by seven, they got another stop, and then after a timeout with about a minute-ish to go, they came out... And Kevin Herter hit a dagger three, up seven, so hits a three to go up by 10 with about 53 seconds to go, and that was the end of the game. Obviously, you know, it wasn't over-over at that point, but that was really the, the last meaningful play of the game was that dagger three by Kevin Herter, so there you go on that. Before we dive into the overall game stats, I have to tell you about the fourth quarter stats. This is insane. So this is a game that had a lot of weird stats overall, but the fourth quarter is really, really strange. The Hawks only attempted 10 field goal attempts in the fourth quarter. If you're not familiar necessarily overall with how this stuff works, that's a very, very, very low number for an entire quarter of an NBA game, especially a relatively fast-paced one. Now, the Hawks made eight of those shots, so they shot 80% from the floor in the fourth quarter. That's that's worth pointing out. They also made five of six from three. That helps, too. Now, they got to the line 10 times, so they shot 21 free throws in the, in the second half, 10 in the fourth quarter, so that helps your offense, and obviously free throws are going to take away from your field goal attempt number a little bit. They also had eight turnovers in the fourth quarter, which is not what you want. The Hawks did a pretty good job at times taking care of the ball, but that was that was really sort of a black eye on the offense in the fourth quarter. Still, um, also, the Hawks had zero offensive rebounds because they only missed two shots, so um, that helps. The Raptors had seven offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter, which is a ton. So, at the end of the quarter, the Raptors took... 19 more field goal attempts than the Hawks did in a quarter. Not in a game. That'd be a lot for a game. It'd be a lot, a lot, a lot for a game. The Hawks, again, took 19 fewer shots than the Raptors in a quarter. For the game, they attempted 23 fewer shots than the Raptors. And then one by 11, which is kind of crazy. But the fourth quarter was kind of the, uh, the biggest microcosm of that. Just kind of bizarre nature of this contest. Expanding from there to the stats of the full game... Uh, we'll start on the positive side. The Hawks were incredible shooting the ball in this game. They had a lot of positive regression due. I think so far this season, coming into the night anyway, the Hawks have underachieved as a shooting team. Part of that is injuries, to be sure. Not having Bogdanovich, not having Hunter now for this stretch, um, not having Gallinari. Those are three of their best shooters who have missed extended time. That's worth pointing out. Still, the Hawks have been a little bit below their normal baseline as a perimeter shooting team, and that regressed in a positive way here. They were 19 of 36 from three. That's 53% from three. That is uh, obviously better than you would expect on a normal basis, but they were kind of due for one of these, and they finally had one. Um, also got to the line 33 times, made 29 of them. So they kind of needed that, though, because the Raptors actually out-free-throwed them by one, but they um, made fewer of them, which is important to point out. But on twos, the Hawks were really good as well. They were just really efficient overall. In fact, they had about a 75% true shooting, and... If you don't know that number very well, uh, like absolutely elite is like 60%. So, um, yeah, they were out of their minds as a shooting team in this game. That's why the Hawks won. If you look at the stats, it's very easy to see the biggest factor in the Hawks winning this game by 11 points. And it was their shooting. So that's worth pointing out. It's, you know, I, I often point out when the Hawks get pretty good shots and just miss a lot of them. 
in this game, they just made a lot of shots. And sometimes that's going to be all that matters in the NBA, and uh, or at least a big part of what matters, and that happened here. So elsewhere, they had 31 assists. That's a lot, and it helps, helps that you make shots, but they also had some really good ball movement throughout the game. I thought the one um, sort of black mark, actually, I guess there were probably two. Offensive rebounding has been a strength of the Hawks all season long. Um, it was not a factor in this game. Even if you just take out the fact that the Hawks didn't miss a lot of shots, they, and they didn't for sure, they only, reba- they, only, they only grabbed 14% of their own rebounds. And that's about half of what they normally do. And the Hawks have been top five or so in the league in that category. It didn't bite them, but they were that was not a spot where they were able to make a huge dent in this game. And then the other thing was the turnover battle went incredibly to Toronto. So that's how, like I said before, Toronto attempted 23 more shots than the Hawks did in this game. Part of that's the offensive rebounding. Part of that's the Hawks making all their shots. But the other one is the Hawks turned the ball over 19 times. The Raptors turned the ball over seven times. Honestly, it's very difficult to win a basketball game, especially by 11 points, when you get killed on the glass and you get killed in turnovers. You have to shoot a lot better than your opponent to win a game like that, and the Hawks did. So there's a little little bit of noise. The Hawks did play well in this game, but I think a couple of their strengths and maybe their weaknesses of turning the ball over sometimes kind kind of bit them, but it didn't matter at the end of the day. Um, defensively, the Hawks held the Raptors to a 119 offensive rating. That's that's very good by the Raptors. So this is definitely an offense-first victory. I think the Hawks got stops when, when they needed them, but Pierce talked about this after the game, and I agree with him. The Hawks did a pretty bad job in transition. Um, you know, the Raptors were able to run even off make even off makes from the Hawks. That's, that's not what you want to do. And they definitely have great guards. You know, Van Vliet and Lowry are really good. And putting that defense was a problem in this game, but the Hawks do need to be better defensively on the whole. I thought they were better in the fourth, and that definitely proved to be important in this game. But it was an offense-first win. By the way, I didn't say this earlier, but the Hawks scored about 1.3 points per possession, which is uber elite. Now, again, they shot the heck out of the ball throughout the game, but that was uh, worth pointing out, too. So, again, an offensive victory in a lot of ways for Atlanta, but one that they certainly earned and executed well throughout the contest. Before we get into some individual takeaways from this game, a word from our sponsors on the show, and the first of which is Built Bar. I've been telling you for a long time that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is still very much the case, but also the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. The original flavors are fantastic and they continue to be so, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and and of course my personal favorite, in cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're all soft and easy to chew, which is also very important to point out. And from there, I should remind you that Built Bar is also fantastic. For those of us trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low calorie, high protein, low sugar, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet with all the nutrients you need. And again, a taste that puts other competitors in the space to absolute shame. In order to check it all out, BuiltBar.com is the place to go. Yes, it's BuiltBar.com right now. And use the promo code LOCKEDON when you get there. When you visit BuiltBar.com and use that promo code, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com and try Built Bar today. Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at rockauto.com. With more makes and models than ever, it's now impossible to stock all of the auto parts that you need in your traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure questioning from a counter person that's often totally pointless, especially when they were only going to give you the parts or the brands that the warehouse happens to carry? Instead, you have rockauto.com, either at home or in your pocket, and that is the best possible option. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. 
They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always super low and the same for pros and do yourself so why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck, and from there you want to write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okay, it's time to land the plane on the podcast, as we always do with some individual breakdowns before we get to the end of the show. And a lot of positives, honestly, in this game. Hawks played 10 guys. Overall, the only two guys that were active that did not play were Bruno Fernando and Brandon Goodwin. They, they, Hawks chose to have the two-way guys inactive in this game because they had sort of a more full roster, which is probably a good decision, all things considered. Uh, Kongo played the fewest minutes with eight, and that's because he had four fouls. Uh, he was not great. There were some nice signs, as there have been at times with Kongo. He's not been... Um, playing a ton of minutes because he's been injured, of course, and all that stuff. He's still limited to a restriction in this game. I thought he had some nice moments, but it wasn't like he was good. Um, he had some rookie stuff going on, the fouls especially. He had one Miss Bunny. He, he missed two free throws as well. So pros and cons. I will talk about him a little bit more on a mailbag coming up in the next, I don't know, week or so, um, probably. But uh, yeah, I thought he was acceptable for the most part, but still a rookie that will make you crazy on occasion after not playing, by the way, in more than a week. Um, elsewhere, Rondo was not good in this game, but he was better than he has been the last couple of games. He had two points, had two assists, had a steal. Uh, he, he had one trademark Rondo play where he had a, probably a pretty open layup that he decided to throw a circus pass out of for a three, uh, which, which is very peak Rondo. Defensively, it was rough at the point of attack. He was not the only one by any, by any means, but it was not his best there either. Again, he wasn't as destructive as he's been the last couple of games, but not not a huge plus either in this game. I thought Hill and Snell both contributed well. A lot of that's just a shooting. You know, Snell hit the two, hit the two threes in the first half. Was over two in the second half, but two assists, two rebounds, six points. He was totally fine. He had a, actually had a block shot as well. He was totally fine in 18 minutes. Solomon Hill, 12 minutes, eight points. Had an assist and a rebound and a foul was plus five. He made two threes as well. Shot the ball with confidence. You know, sometimes it's going to be as simple as do Hill and do Hill and Snell make shots. If they do, they will be contributors in a positive way. If they don't, it's a little bit harder for them to make to, to do to do that. But in this game, they shot the ball well, four of eight from three, and that helps. Um, and lastly, Gallinari was really good in this game. He's had a couple of stinkers in the recent past, but this game he was a huge plus. Fourteen points, five rebounds, four assists. He was ha- he had to be guarded um, vigorously by the Raptors. He got to basically his cap in minutes with 25. Um, did have four fouls, but was plus nine. Um, four, six from the floor, three or five from three, three or three from the free throw line. And you see his shot making. Like sometimes it just, it just flashes. Like he had a couple of nice step backs in this game. He has to be guarded in a way that other guys do not have to be in the front court. And that makes life difficult on the opposition. So he was really good. A nice plus in this game. Um, as for the starters, all five guys did a little bit of everything. Um, I would say the least effective was Cam Reddish, but he was still better in this game than he has been in the recent past. Cam played 30 minutes. He had 10 points, five rebounds. Um, three of six from the floor, two of four from three, two of two from the free throw line. He had one like very, very encouraging catch and shoot in rhythm three that he made early in the, I think it was in the first half. Um, Reddish has not been, um, he's sort of been an adventure offensively. We'll just say that broadly speaking this season. But in this game, the usage was down, which is not what you want necessarily long-term, but right now he's probably better in that kind of role, uh, taking what the defense gives, gives him. He definitely just had a more minimized offensive role, which is probably okay at the moment. Because he's not, you know, offensive only, 
he is probably, you know, six or seven on the list of the guys who even the Hawks had available in this game in terms of offensive focal points. So he shot, he played, he shot well, he played decent defense. I thought he played pretty well. It wasn't like he was great, but he, I mean, he's capable of breakouts and all that stuff. But in this game, he took nothing off the table, which is a nice encouragement from, uh, especially when compared to the recent games. Um, the other four guys were all very, very productive, 19 points or more. Kevin Herter, 19 points, four assists, three rebounds, um, five threes for Kevin, five of eight from, from three-point land. Only took one, two, and he made it. Um, Pierce talks about the fact that they, they still want him, and they, they're definitely encouraging him to be more strong and uh, physical. Physicality has been a buzzword with Kevin for a long time, but I thought he was really good off-ball defensively. There was one possession that I made note of actually on Twitter, but he made a full like full side-of-the-court rotation twice in a row like he was flying around off the ball now that's a lot of that's just like him using his length and acumen and all that but he's really good positioning wise obviously when he's on the ball physicality becomes a concern he's not the strongest guy in the world or the most or, or the most athletic necessarily but he was good in this game the threes obviously helped but i thought he was uh good decision making as well force us and uh, he was definitely an above average game from kevin herter um, John Collins was very good in this game, 19 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 blocks. Did have a little bit of foul trouble, which kept him down to 34 minutes, but I thought he played very well, hit 3 threes, 4-4 four, four from the free throw line. He was uh, he was effective, he was efficient defensively, a couple nice plays. I tweeted this as well, but the Raptors kind of went to an ISO a couple times, like in the post with Siakam on Collins, and this is going to be weird to say because Siakam was second team All-NBA last year, but in addition to him not playing as well, Siakam posting up Collins is a bad idea for Toronto like that was not not, they figured that out eventually that was not going to be a strength of theirs in this game but Collins was again good defensively he had one just beautiful weak side block that he had that I'm remembering right now as I'm talking but man he was really good overall like wasn't like he didn't have 30 but 19 and 7 solid efficient good defense a very very good game from Collins um Clint Capella obviously hugely productive 23 points 16 rebounds four block shots um you know, he made his shots in this game other than uh, he, he had the rough night at the office efficiency-wise on Thursday. But 10 of 13 in this game, 16 rebounds speaks for itself. I thought he was pretty solid. Um, honestly, I'm not sure he was good as his numbers were in this game, but he had some really good moments, especially um, when they were making runs. And he finished, he finished the alley-oops that he needed to rebounding-wise. He got all the ones that he needed to get. And I thought it was a very good game from Clint. And then finally, Trey Young who I thought was very good. Obviously, turnovers is the one thing. He had seven of them in this game. If you erase that, he didn't shoot the ball great. It was 6-15 from the floor, but got to the line 14 times, made all 14. That's the uh, the trump card, so to speak. If you are Trey Young, you can come out and shoot only 40% from the floor and still be able to be incredibly efficient. That's hard to do, but it happened because you get to the line 14 times, make all 14, and go 2-4 from 3. And uh, 13 assists also. His passing is always really good, and that was the case here. He got a he got a ton of easy ones for Collins and Capella. Mostly Capella, but I would say a couple for Collins as well. Just, just generating all the attention, flipping those slobs that he's always going to be able to do. And then defensively, I thought Trey competed. In the first half, it was a little bit of an adventure stopping the ball. But there were a couple of times, I, I know I talked about at least one of them on Twitter, but where he guarded Lowry very well. He was competitive. He got he put his body on the line. He drew, he drew what I thought was a charge at one point. I think he got called for a block on that play. But regardless, he was very good um, at times defensively. And again, the overall product, not incredible. But by his standards, he was better than normal, I thought, in this game overall. So a nice night for Trey. Nice night for basically everyone. I'm not sure if there was anybody that I would say played like flat out poorly. Maybe Rondo. But it, even then, like the starters were pretty solid. 
and the Hawks won by 11 against a pretty good team. I know Toronto is not like their record is not great, but they had won three in a row coming in, and they're playing better basketball. They're they're well coached and all that stuff. And I'll say it here at the end. I think I think Lloyd Pierce and the staff did a very good job in this game. There were some adjustments being made, like coming out of coming out of halftime. Their defensive scheme changed a little bit for the better. I think um, a couple of nice ATO plays. Um, they had some nice counters for for when Trey was trapped in this game. Um, I'm not going to tell you that he like you know quote unquote outcoached the opponent because that's, that's not always easy to, to discern. But I thought if you didn't know anything, if you didn't know any better, you would not have thought that Lloyd was uh, opposed by Nick Nurse in this game. I think Lloyd and the staff did a very good job, and that was part of the reason why the Hawks won this game. So. Overall, the Hawks now are 11 and 12, which is not where they want to be, I'm sure. But a nice win after sort of avoid the 0 and 4 homestand that would have been sort of a death knell. Obviously, no terrible losses in there. They were competitive all three games with Trey. Obviously, they got blown out without Trey on Thursday, but generally in pretty decent shape. Uh, last thing on the show before we close it up today, there was an update on Friday afternoon about Bogdan Madanovich. Um, he said, uh, and by the way, he, Saturday's game was his 14th missed in a row since he hurt his knee on January 9th. He is now, quote, cleared to include more range of motion in his rehab and conditioning activities, which includes more on-court work, end quote. No more knee brace as well for him. But there is nothing in terms of timeline for reevaluation or return. So that's very notable, I will say. Um, Pierce gave a little bit of a, a quick update on Chris Dunn today. Nothing else definitive there. DeAndre Hunter information is still um, unclear because the Hawks had the day off. Oh, well, you know, off is relative after the back-to-back, but a recovery day on Friday, so they didn't get to necessarily get into the gym. Uh, Hunter was around the team today, but no update there either. I'm sure that will come in the next day or two. There'll be something on DeAndre Hunter, but for right now, he's missed the last few games, and we will go from there on that. At any rate, a pretty positive day overall for the Hawks, wrapping up wrapping up things. And uh, by the way, last thing. It's kind of a weird long break now for the Hawks. They don't play until Wednesday. So I'm recording this now. It's Sunday morning as I'm recording this, but Saturday night game. The Hawks now have three full days off. Now, they're, they're going to practice, of course, along the way there. But three days without a game is a long time for this season, especially with the shortened nature of it. By the way, that, that's an ESPN game on Wednesday against Luka and the Mavs um, on the road. And then... Uh, yeah, lots of hype for that one, I'm sure. But we will have at least two more podcasts, maybe even three. But I'm gonna, I'll, I'll commit to two between now and the game on Wednesday, and of course our customary recap podcast after that. So, in addition to this one, we'll have two more at least, maybe even three. Uh, so please subscribe to the podcast. We'll have some uh, interesting stuff between now and then. And uh, take advantage of this little break if you're a Hawks fan that likes to stay up late, like I do, and get uh, maybe get some rest in the next few days. At any rate, please subscribe. Get the show when it drops, whenever it happens to arrive. Uh, Tell your friends, please rate and review as well. Thank you for listening as always, and we'll see you all next time.